Ew. Christian dating advice from a single Christian guy, part one. Okay, so this is just some of the best advice that I've received and I figured I'd pass it on to you. So um, when you're evaluating somebody's character, the direction that they're going is much more important than the person they once were. Keep Christ's redemption at the forefront. You'd think we'd be good at this as Christians, but we're not. We too often let what someone's done in their past define them or characterize our perspective of them but it shouldn't. Through Christ's redemption, they are made new. Someone's past mistakes do not define their identity. Okay, second thing, and this is connected. It's not your job to fix someone, form them into a person that you want. If you don't like who they are now, do not pursue it. Yes, the hope is that you both grow and change in the midst of a relationship, but if you can't accept who they are now, you will never see them. Dating is three things. It starts with the physical out here, that's the circle. I saw someone, they're hot, they're pretty, they're whatever, so therefore we're going to go on a date or blow them up online or eHarmony or whatever it is you use, social media, and then we're going to slide into talking about feelings on our date, but because we already kissed on the first date and because then we talked about feelings, we've expedited that relationship way beyond ever discussing the core of a person, which is their faith. See, the world goes from physical into feelings and very rarely, if ever, gets to the value system on the inside of a heart. And that's why you're two years in, three years in, and you're still living off those feelings which now are gone, by the way, and the physicality's gone, and you never knew who the person was. God's paradigm flips it upside down. He says, you know what you're going to do? You're going to start with the faith. You're going to start with the heart. Ladies, listen to me. Ladies, you start with who they are on the inside, and then eventually you talk about the feelings, and you save the physical for the moment you walk down the aisle. My friends, welcome to the Sheep Keep Sheared podcast. We're here we talk about people, politics, popular culture. I'm your host, the one and only Austin Creed. And my friends, I want to welcome you into the show. And, you know, I wanted to start doing something different. I actually have really big news that I want to share with everybody on the show today. Uh, I have a book that's coming out not too long from now. And in honor of my first book coming out, we're going to be doing a little mini series of what leading up to the release of the book. And what we're going to discuss is a little bit of a section from a kind of a little bit from each chapter, give you a little bit of a taste of the truth that I've written in there and done extensive research, both in the Bible and philosophy and a lot of other areas. So what we're going to do first is I want to let you know something that's going to probably ruffle some feathers and I'm totally okay with that. And that's the fact that your pastor kind of failed you just a little bit. Why would I say that? Well, let's just take the example of the first clip I played. Horrible advice. Probably the worst dating advice I've ever heard from anybody. And that's pretty that's pretty dang hard to title to get. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at some dating advice that either pastors or they could be Christian influencers or whatever online. I don't know these people, by the way. I don't look up dating advice because I'm too busy out here trying to make money. I don't care. I don't want to get married. I have no interest in any of that. If you do, God bless you, but I'm not interested. But before we get into the videos I want to share on the today's show, first I wanted to present to you this. It says six reasons why young Christians are leaving the church. Now, and I address this in the in my book coming up called Biblical Bachelor, and I talk about how the church has largely failed young men, young people in general, but young men especially, and not in their attempt to be holy and demonstrate their holiness and keep you holy. They leave you helpless to a lot of attacks that the world will, will come throw your way. 
And that's why young men are leaving the church because they figure this out when they go to college and then they don't come back. Usually, that's how it goes. It says, number one reason, the churches seem overprotective. Uh, they say Christianity is shallow. Number two, Christians come across as antagonistic to science. Well, a lot of this stuff is cover up. Well, not cover up. It's just a symptom. It's not the main issue of the problem. But I thought I'd share them with you nonetheless. It says a few of the defining characteristics of today's teens and young adults are they are their unprecedented access to ideas and worldviews, as well as their oh goodness, their consumption of popular culture. Yes, again, we talk about popular culture all the time on this show. As the Christians says they express their desire for their faith in Christ to connect to the world they live in. There's this concept in Christianity about being in the world, but not of it. And in there are a lot of attempts to do that. They pretend as though they give advice like the first guy of, oh, I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. So therefore anything that I've done beforehand is just in the past and it doesn't affect me anymore. Um, Mr. Uh, I don't even know what that dude's name is, but let me tell you something. You're, you're a liar. Either that or you're just ignorant because let me tell you something. Have they been spiritually saved according to Christianity? Yes. Does that mean though that they're not a creature of habit? No. Does that mean that they're not going to suddenly stop doing all the things they've been doing? No. It, what it means is you're giving men bad, bad advice. Gentlemen, have you ever seen a lady who's like 25 to 30 suddenly come in the church and she's kind of like trying to reinvent herself? She's getting really involved in the church and she's trying to find a husband. Yeah, that woman has been ran through. She has been probably had like two abortions. I, look, I'm just telling you the way it is. If you don't like it, turn the show off. If you don't like the fact that I'm giving you a reality, that's too bad. Because it's just the way it is. You can get mad at me if you want. But getting mad at me won't change the fact that it's probably true. Uh, let's see, what's reason number four? Young Christian churches experience all, yeah, I love how they look, 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 you see this? It says young Christians, uh, churches experience, re experiences related to sexuality are often simplistic and judgmental. I love how they put, why do they put this down towards the bottom? I guarantee you it's not on the bottom. You know how many times people think about sex and not just men, women too, by the way, they think a lot about sex. Okay. Says without unfettered access to digital pornography, an immersion in a culture that values hypersexuality over wholeness, teens and 20-something Christians are struggling with how to live meaningful lives in terms of sex and sexuality. In other words, they're trying to bring together a concept from the ancient um, the ancient Judaism of staying pure before marriage with the modern culture. Because okay, you know what? Here's what we're gonna do. Let me explain something to people. When I explain this to people for the first time, they're shocked. They can't believe it because they've never heard it before. Uh, back in the day, if you look up in, I'm pretty sure it's in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. If you look up when Jewish children, for example, you ever been to a bar mitzvah? No, you haven't. That's when a man, a, a boy becomes a man. It's at a very young age by today's standards. Why is that? Number one, people didn't live as long. And number two, they realized that when men and women started to get these urges, that it was frankly pretty inhumane to keep them apart. They knew they were going to fornicate like rabbits. They knew it. They weren't going to be sitting there like, oh yes, I'm 25 and I've never had sex and I'll go, just, just spare me, please. 
Unless you look like Shrek, you've been getting some sex. I don't want to hear- I don't want to hear Jack. Okay? Total lies. A second. They knew they had to incorporate them in the community, and they gave them a very God-rearing, God-respectful way to exercise this very natural thing. Instead of seeing it as a curse, they saw it as what it is, which is supposed to be beautiful. But now, you look at the modern church, people are getting married to like 25 to 30, and they're hitting puberty at like 13 to 15. And you wonder why there's tons of sexual immorality, you wonder why there's all these things going on, answer, because when people are getting married at 15, 16 anymore. I'm not saying they should now, I'm saying that back in the day, that's what happened. Because they knew they were going to want to explore those desires, so they gave them marriage, which was allowed them to have a stake in the community, number one, and number two, they weren't sinning. They didn't want them to live in sin, so they gave them a way to not live in sin. But your pastor didn't tell you about that, did he? No, he just told you that you were a sinner if you were engaging in sexual immorality, which is technically not wrong. But he didn't tell you is that Jews, us Jews, did not, didn't used to be that way. They don't tell you that though. Because if they told you that, you might suddenly be like, wait a minute, then why should we be called to the standard if this is not how it was actually enacted in the culture when Moses, who wrote the Torah, Gave it to them. Answer. Because then people... People don't like when you ask questions. Whether it's a government, whether it's a religious institution, people don't like it when you ask questions. But like... But... All Austin... Me... Gives you the pill that you need to get straight. You're welcome. Let's get back to this article. Reason number five. And they wrestle with the exclusive nature of Christianity. In other words, they don't like you if you're a free thinker like me. You'd be surprised how many how much hate I get from Christians, by the way, fellow Christians, by the way. You'd be surprised how much hate I get from these people. How they're talking about how I'm not a Christian uh, and whatnot, and how I'm I'm not this and I'm not that. Let me tell you something. If you feel threatened by the questions I ask on this show, that's honestly a good thing. You want to wrestle with these things. You want to have the most correct mindset possible. I don't preach BS here. I don't give you the sugarcoated version. If you want a sugarcoating message, go to Hillary Clinton or go to Joe Biden or go to Kamala Harris. I ain't got nothing for you. Go ask the politicians. That's their that's their gig, not mine. Since younger Americans have been shaped by a culture that esteems open-mindedness, tolerance, and acceptance. So part of this, I could see what they're saying. They're mainly referring to people of the rainbow riding community. That's who they're talking about. Now, I'm a free thinker. Most people don't like that I'm a free thinker. I don't like to define myself by any one thing or another thing. I view myself as a Christian, there's no doubt about it. I'm also this very spiritually curious in a lot of things and a lot of, like, for example, Judaism is a lot of very interesting spiritual practices that I think hold a lot of value and I really appreciate them. However, because I do those things, people think that, oh, I'm not a Christian. Look, because people are so narrow-minded, it's disgusting. Just, oh, look at this. It says three out of 10 Christians, which is just under 30%, said the churches are afraid of the beliefs of other faiths. This is unfortunately kind of a true. Number six, the churches feel unfriendly to those who doubt. This is very true. In other words, people who ask questions, it goes back to what I just said. 
If you ask questions, they don't like that, which is such a bad thing. You should want people to ask questions. I love it when people ask questions because then I get to explain it to them and then they get to make up their own choice. And that's the way it should be. Everybody should have their own personal philosophy and their faith should be a cornerstone of that worldview. It should. But I'm not going to tell you that you should just be walking in lockstep with everything because at the end of the day, I don't believe in anybody doing something like that. What, look, okay, here's what we're going to do now. I'm going to show you some clips. We're going to have a good laugh. But here, here's what, here's why I tell in my book, in my book, Biblical Bachelor, that men, if you're a Christian or even if you're not a Christian and you're listening to the show, do not be quick to jump into a relationship. Do not think that your worth as a man is defined by how many girls you're getting with or how many girls want to marry you. Please don't fall for that trap because there are a lot of women out here who are just like this woman right here. Let's play this clip. So I found a man in there. I was going through one of Tony Robbins' books, Unlimited Power. And in there, it said, you want to find your spouse, you've got to write down everything about the person. And so I wrote down all the characteristics, like everything to night. What do they look like? What's their job like? What do they think like? Are they smart? How do they dress? And then I wrote down, what are my non-negotiables? For what would this person absolutely love? What things are unacceptable to me? And that if anyone has one of these things, there's no way that we're going to be in a relationship. And so then every time I went on a date, I looked at that piece of paper at the end of the night and I said, did they fit the list or did they not? And if they had any of those non-negotiables, it'd be a no-go. We would never talk again. Okay. I'm sorry. I got to pause it right there. I cannot watch this through all the way without just... Oh my goodness. Hey, um, ladies, look, this... Okay. I've said something before on this show. The dating advice that women give to other women. Gentlemen, if you want actually good dating advice, listen to dating advice that women give to other women because that advice will actually help you. And ladies, if you want good dating advice, listen to the advice that men give other men and you'll find pretty good dating advice. I hate to say that, but it's true. This is great dating and this is great life advice for men. I fully agree with that. This is great advice for men. Gentlemen, if you want to if you want to pick this up, please, please pick this up. This is actually good advice for you. Ladies, you don't gain more by holding out. That's not how you're designed, by the way. If you don't like that, that's too bad. Biology's on my side. If you don't like it, go argue with God. Don't argue with me. Because, gentlemen, your value is built off what you can achieve, what you have to offer, what you bring to the table. That's what women are looking for is who are you? What have you accomplished? What do I have to gain with being with you? That's what women are looking for. But for some reason, women now think that that applies to them. And then they wonder why they're 30 years old and they have nobody answer because this is the, this is why, because you're looking for your, some miracle, miracle hero, Chad guy with a gray beard and in the jawline that cuts diamonds and he's not interested in you or he's not interested in marrying you. Why? Because every other dude wants to say, every other girl wants the same dude. And they think that they deserve him by default because they're told that. 
Let's keep going about this garbage. What else you got? If they met both the criteria, I'd maybe try for a second date. But honestly, most of the times, if they didn't have 95% of the criteria, I would just move on to the next date. A lot of women don't do that. They're not methodical about looking for the right spouse, and they waste all this time on four to eight month relationships where they feel lukewarm about the person. When in that time, you could have gone on a hundred more dates and probably found somebody who's a 10 out of 10. And then they want to tell you that they're not going on dates. They want to tell you that they're that they're a virgin. Hey, look, you want to talk about those hundred dates? Let's talk about those hundred dates real quick. Do you think out of those hundred dates that she never slept with any of those dudes? Do you think that she never get drop neck on those dudes? Do you think that she never opened her legs for those dudes? If you think that, you're stupid. I'm not saying all of them, but I guarantee you at least uh, I don't know five percent, ten percent. I guarantee. And you can call me whatever name you want, but I would love to hear what you think, how you could rationally tell me, let's go back, how you could rationally tell me that a woman like this is not dropping neck on these dudes. And yet, she's going to tell you as a man how to, get, how to have great dating advice or how to tell a woman. Again, she found a man in America. Congratulations. That's great. I'll... That's one example. How many women have the exact same mindset and cannot find the dude they're looking for? And then the mind trick will be one of, this is not the man you're looking for. It's not going to work. I'm looking for you. Please find me. That doesn't work. Now, this is, advice is very good when it comes to things you want to accomplish in your life. Stuff you want to accomplish. Even if dating advice, if you want to get married as a man, this is good advice. Write down what you want in a woman, what you're not willing to accept. That's great advice. But when it comes to what, if you're a woman and you want to do that, that's not good advice. At least it's not good advice if you hold out past like 25. Because if you wait until 25, you're already running out of time. And you can call me whatever you want. It doesn't change the fact that I'm right. And you know I'm right. And that's why you're getting mad. All right. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to show a clip from um, John MacArthur's church. God bless him. I agree with a lot of the things he says. But let's see if I agree with this. Let's see what let's see what advice he's got for the single dudes out here. Let's see what he got. Uh, I have a question regarding First Corinthians seven. So, uh, so I noticed that uh, many of my brothers and uh, and I, all of us meet the First Corinthians seven uh, prerequisite. Uh, we're wrestling with God and searching out a woman to potentially be a helpmate. Um, I've noticed in myself, and I've heard brothers express this paradox of sorts, uh, that we recognize the fact that we have romanticized romance and have at times set up this unknown woman as an idol. This is actually very true. This is very true, gentlemen. How many of you have what's called one-itis? This idea of you you know some girl and you're obsessed with her, you want to marry her, you think she's the best thing since sliced bread, you love her, whatever, whether you slept with her or not slept with her, doesn't matter. You're obsessed with this woman and you want to marry her. That's what he's talking about. Most dudes are like that, by the way, especially if you're young, you're full of hormones, you're wanting to find love, you're obsessed with it and this is and see this is what i was talking about earlier with the judaism the the ancient jewish culture example of men and women getting married when they hit puberty just about in that this is why because they don't end up like this asking this question they're too busy being married and fornicating and producing children and in the confounds of marriage they're not having this conversation which is a very western thing to do now because they're not getting married till 25 and 30. let's keep going discontent with what God has given us. But we also know that a single man with conscious sexual feelings is not good alone, and that God has specifically created us to have a wife. 
See, again, this goes back to the example. That exa this example is going to go back to why I'm telling you that pastors are genuinely failing you because they're not telling you what I'm telling you about the traditional cultural context that the, when the Bible was written and they gave you these rules. Even in ancient Rome, when Jesus walked the earth, this was not uncommon for people to be married at a very young age. 16 to 18, even younger, this was not uncommon. And yet now we have dudes who are around that age, a little older, living in sexual frustration because they can't do anything with this. And that's why it's not good to be alone because all you're going to do is commit sexual sin, whether it's alone or outside. And then they can't find a wife. They're desperate to find one. And they try to, then they just marry the first woman they could find that shows them any level of affection. And then they wonder why their marriage is no good because they were too busy focusing on the sex. Let's keep going. So my question is, how do you reconcile these two thoughts in terms of timing? And if we spend too much, or if we spend time devoting ourselves to ministry and to God, uh, making sure our motives are pure and asking a girl out, it would seem that we are disobeying the apostles' command in 1 Corinthians 7. So this is a very long-winded question, but essentially what he's asking, I think you could put it pretty well together. What he's asking is, how do I try to get a wife without, you know, succumbing to my sexual desires and trying to fornicate with her and... Uh, I it's ridiculous. Look, this is the problem, okay? This is the problem. Men today, this is the problem with religious men, is we have this issue. We have this issue of being at war with ourselves over our own sexuality. We're told it's a gift, and yet all we feel is a curse because we're, we're told that if we if we exercise this passion outside of the confounds of marriage, then we're no good. But yet we can't find a woman to marry us or we can't find a woman that's actually valuable enough to actually date or marry. Let's keep going. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, you might, you might be eager to obey the command, but can't find anybody who is willing to marry you. So there's, there's, there's always that reality. So, um, um, you hear the normies laughing as if that's funny? That's not funny. This is a real issue. This is a really important question, Ben, because yes, um, marriage is the grace of life. Uh, mar marriage is the most fulfilling relationship in life on every possible front. Um, I, I think the, the, divorce, the divorce statistics would disagree with you on that one, considering that even in Christian marriages, at least one in four tend to fail. Look up to the statistics. They vary depending on who does the poll. But that's, statistically speaking, becoming less and less reality. Let's keep going. And this particular culture we live in today has postponed that um, more and more. It seems like every year the, married, the average marriage age gets older and older and older. See, what was I just saying? Again, point for me over and um, this puts tremendous pressure on young people to maintain purity when they have reached the age where they would desire to be married and desire to start a family. Yes, exactly. See, again, again, this is why I bring up the cultural context of when sacred text is written because that plays a huge role. That plays a substantial role, and he's bringing that up, but he's not bringing it up in the way I would because he doesn't want to sound like he's telling them to do something that's wrong or that's just pretty much impossible. So 
All I can do is uh, to exhort Christian people not to get caught up in what you said, not to get caught up in the perfections that this society drags in front of you, which are not related to reality. Huh? I, I think you have to look at yourself, and this may help, you have to look at yourself in the way that uh, Paul described marriage in Ephesians 5. He basically says that a husband is like a savior to his wife. Oh, 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 no. Oh, no, we're gentlemen. Just go cape for these women. We don't care if they've been ran through. We don't care if they're virgins or if they ran through. They, they entered the church at 30 years old with a body cap and 303 babies from other men. We don't care. Yeah, just cape for these women. Again, this is, this is why I'm telling you that pastors are failing you. They're not telling you what's going on outside the compounds of the church, or if they do, they don't bring it up in a, in a way that gives it the respect that, in, that you need to give it. He makes it sound like that all women are worth saving, that all men are capable of saving women. Most men are broke. Most women are broke. The economy sucks. And yet he's telling men to save women. Like most people can't even save themselves in this economy. And yet he wants men to save. Most women don't want to be saved. Listen to E40. She don't want to be saved. Don't save her. I mean, he wasn't wrong. But then you got guys out here telling you to do this. I agree with a lot of the things that MacArthur says. I don't go to his church. I don't live near him, but I agree with a lot of the things he says. And, but this, I got to disagree. This is a horrible, this is horrible advice. That's essentially what it says. And, and I think, I think the burden really lies with men. Oh, of course you would say that because you're old and because you don't understand the current dating climate. Uh, the current dating climate is, it's both people's fault. However, the baton has been passed to women because they wanted power, and now they're just blaming everybody who's not in them. To see themselves as those who rescue women from loneliness. Oh, man. Women from being in an uh, unfulfilled life, from being in, in a place where they aren't protected, they aren't provided for, they aren't cared for. Most women are choosing to not have that. Most women don't even want to be housewives anymore. They want to be out here in these streets. This, there's no victims. They're volunteers. They're choosing to do this stuff. So what, you're going to save them from them? How does that work? How does that work? You're saving them from whom? From themselves? How, how are you going to do that? How does that actually practically work? I don't... What kind of advice is this? This is horrible. They aren't loved. They aren't given the opportunity to have children. So uh, from, from what I would experience in, in our society, it's the men that have to step up. Oh, my. Uh, look, I, I apologize if you think I'm pausing too much. I got to react to this. I, I cannot just sit through. This is how I want, normally watch videos, by the way. When I'm not on the air, I'll still watch videos and react like this off camera, but this is ridiculous. Step up. Step up where? Step up where exactly? You want us to step up? 
And do what? Marry, marry 304s and, and people who don't want to save people who don't want to be saved? What kind of strategy is this? Again, this is horrible advice. This would work in, in maybe his ideal world, but this doesn't work in reality anymore. You want to know why? And if he, I think he mentioned Ephesians 5. You want to know why Paul says for a man to love his wife? The reason he said that was because back in the day in the Roman Empire, women were little more than cattle. And so a man could literally beat his wife, which I would never tell anybody to do, but a man could literally do that and no one would say, Jack, no one cared. So he said, you can't do that. You need to love your wife because she's a part of you. And so in doing that, you disrespect yourself. That was what he was saying. But now in this sip culture where women are hit up by every dude with an iPhone telling them how beautiful they are and how they're a queen and they deserve everything. Love doesn't mean jack anymore. It's easy. That's why women go for the bad boys because they actually have to earn their affection. And yet I'm supposed to save them from a decision that they made to choose Chad and Tyrone and Pookie. And yet I'm supposed to be out here saving them. Ridiculous. And I honestly do not know what in the world they are waiting for. I have threatened many times to line up all the single women on one side, all the single men on the other side, and assign you a wife. It wouldn't solve a damn thing. I'm sorry. It wouldn't. You could try doing that. It's not going to work. I guarantee you. Uh, 70% of those couples will get divorced or at least have a dead marriage. By instead of looking for someone who is some kind of trophy, you need to look to someone who loves Christ that, that you can be a savior to that person. In other words, men lower your standards and get and, and just cash in and get what you can find. In other words, just get what you can. In other words, don't men don't have standards, just wipe up the first thing that you can find. And that's exactly what is happening. And a protector and a provider and, and who says she's worthy of protection, by the way. Like, look, genuinely, who says that someone's worthy of that? No one's worthy or deserves anything. You got to earn what you get. Well, who says you've earned my protection? Who says you've earned my provisioning? Who says you've earned that? Most dudes. They don't understand the fact that they just want to hit. They just want to have, you know, relations with the woman. They don't actually love her. They're lusting after her. They can't tell the difference. That's the problem with most dudes who are inexperienced when it comes to intimacy. They can't tell a difference between I want to have relations with her versus I want to have a relationship with her. They can't tell the difference. They think it's the same thing when it's not. And they find out later when their marriage is completely lacking intimacy in all ways and they realize they messed up they don't realize until it's already too late the lover and um, be what christ is to his church because that's the picture and i i'd strongly exhort the young men to find a wife because in that finding is god's greatest gift in this world and it allows you to raise up children who know and love the Lord. That's the purpose of marriage, to procreate and to do so in Christ is the highest calling in life. He's not wrong with what he's saying. The problem is he's not bringing up divorce statistics that say that you're taking a risk. Yes, marriage is beautiful. Yes, marriage is a sacred institution. The problem is it's not what it used to be. Marriage and divorce 
The marriage is going down. Divorce is going up. He's not mentioning any of the divorce statistics. He's not mentioning marriage is a lack of intimacy. He's not mentioning marriages that are sticking together purely for the kids. He's not bringing up any of this data that's real. Why? Because then men might reevaluate and say, hold up. Wait a minute. Some may right here. That's why he's not saying that. Um, I, I want to do all I can to encourage the men to step up and... Stop saying that. There have been uh, enough bad marriages in our society that there is a certain amount of fear and trepidation. Oh, he actually does admit that. Wow. But you have to look at marriage as the, the way the Lord looks at his church. He knows the bride has problems, but he is her redeemer. Oh, my. In other words, gentlemen, put your capes on. Go out there and play Captain Seva. And then you'll win. Is that your advice? In other words, uh, we see the red flags. We, we see the yellow light. We see the red light. We should just run it. Is that what you're saying? We should just run the red light and hope the cops ain't there. Is that what you're saying? In the, in the spiritual sense? Because that's kind of what it's sounding like. He is her rescuer. And I think if you can find a godly woman, that reward is the greatest reward that life can offer. Just don't let the world define what that woman should be. All right. I, I've had enough of this. This is just unbelievable. See, this is why I say the pastors are failing you. This is exactly why I say this. I cannot sit here and tell you that this is good advice. This is why in my forthcoming book that will be on pre-order, Biblical Bachelor, this is why I talk about men. You want to get married, that's fine. However... There are multiple things you need to know about marriage. There are you can either have a wife or a life in many senses. It's hard to have both. Is it possible? Sure. Is it probable? No. And this is exactly why in my forthcoming book, we're going to discuss this topic in very extensive detail. And I'm not going to sit here and just say, oh, you need to do this and you need to do that. No, that's not what we're talking about. I give you the uncomfortable truth about, hey, I know you're probably doing X, Y, and Z. Is this what you want to do? What do you want? Because then we can just, we can help you get to where you want. Because this is a symptom. The, the whole marriage conversation is a symptom. If you really want to upgrade your life, if you really want to be a better man that would attract women to begin with, that is a process. Women... I heard this one time, women are a supplement to an already great life. Most men don't have a great life. They think they need to have a wife to have a great life. Happy wife equals a happy life, which most of the time is totally false. Absolutely false. And th that's the problem is people don't say that because if men tend to say about how bad their marriage is, they get shamed, they get bullied, they get uh, just not listen to and this is why it takes a guy like me to bring this up it takes other men on this side of the internet to bring this up because most people won't do it they don't have the courage to do it or they think that they're going to get attacked or castigated or whatever well it takes courage to talk about this stuff my friends this is only the first episode in a series that we're going to keep doing i'm going to be doing a different topic kind of touching on different chapters throughout this book i'm not going to give too much away for free but i want this to provoke thought and provoke conversation because this is something in our world that's very very damaging to a lot of people and it's very 
obvious. It's, it's clearly an issue. And it's something that people are too afraid to discuss because they don't want to stand out too much. I'm not afraid to stand out. I'll take the brunt of the assault. My friends, until next time, I want to thank you for listening to the show. I know it was a little longer than normal, but I wanted to really kick this series off to a good start. My friends, God bless you. God bless your family. God bless America. We're out of here. Check out the so all check out the ash. You could share on all social media. Leave a like if you liked it. You know already know what to do. If you liked what you heard, until next time, I'm out of here. Peace.